It's time to write a new story. This is Success Stories with Madison Piper. It's the place where women discuss how to make an impact. Here's your host, Madison Piper. Hey, Success Stories fans. Welcome back to another week here in Success Stories, where we interview women of impact. Now, with Super Bowl Sunday coming up, I thought what better than to interview a woman who is making a huge impact in the world of sports and more particularly football. So today we bring in Tracy Sandler. Tracy is a podcast host. She is the beat writer for the 49ers for Fangirl Sports Network and the founder and CEO of Fangirl Sports Network. She has created a space for women in sports everywhere, especially in the world of football. And we are so excited to bring her in today, just in time for the Super Bowl. So Tracy, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have you here in Success Stories. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I want to dive straight into it because you are a woman in sports, and we all know that that is an industry that has been traditionally a male-dominated one, and you have created a pretty big name for yourself. So I want to start from the beginning and ask you, how did you get interested in sports, and why did you decide you wanted to have a career in it? Uh, Well, I've loved sports since I was a kid. I mean, I've always been a huge sports fan, and I really started, I worked at Fox Sports out of college uh, for a few years, and then did a few different things and came back to sports uh, when I started a blog for the fun of it about the San Francisco 49ers. And it was called the trials and tribulations of my love-hate relationship with the San Francisco 49ers. And it was just something I did really just for fun. And, but I took it seriously. I wrote game previews. I wrote game recaps. I wrote during the week. I created like social media handles around it. Uh, and after a little while, I decided, you know what, I think I can turn this into something. So Became 49ers fangirl and I was doing video content and I had a 49ers podcast and was writing and felt like I had something here where I was creating content for female sports fans that really spoke to women. Um, And we've made tremendous strides in the sports industry for women, clearly so far to go, but we've made tremendous strides. But I didn't feel like there was content that spoke to women and let women be fans how they wanted to be, no matter what that was. Uh, Because you get you know, we get a lot of guys who will be say things like, well, you just think the players are cute, which is ridiculous. And, you know, then at the time there was a lot of gear that was only pink and I happen to love pink. So for me, the pink gear was great, but not every woman does. And we've made so many strides in that area, but I was trying to, like I said, create content that spoke to women. So we expanded. So within a year, the 49ers credentialed me. So I became a beat reporter and then we expanded to fangirl sports network and started to cover out of all major stories that were going on and are going on in the world of sports and created more of this kind of content. We do memes. We have two podcasts, one get my job where I uh, sit down with women in the industry and talk about their journeys. One called the Tracy Sandler show, which is a very, you know, sports focused podcast. But even on that one, we've added in a lifestyle aspect to it. I had a couple of the four hours players, uh, George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk, their wives, Claire Kittle and Kristen Juszczyk are doing incredible things. Kristen has her own clothing line. And, and so we added, we had like a really fun podcast talking about football, talking about the lifestyle aspect um, and just kind of creating that content. And so that's kind of a high level view of, of what we've been doing. And it's been a lot of fun. I love that. And I feel like, you know, our world has done like a pretty good job recently and obviously has a lot of improvement to do on the gender biases that we see. Like you mentioned the pink clothing, but that is especially 
prevalent, I feel like, in the sports industry. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's amazing that, you know, you have become one of the pioneering women to kind of transition that change, to make that change happen, um, and then give women access to the content that they want, you know, that's not necessarily like gender-biased pink jerseys, you know, you think the players are cute type of thing that you were talking about. I'm wondering, though, have you ever experienced um, – any type of discouragement from either people that you worked below, maybe people that were above you in like whatever field that you were in at the time that made you feel like as a woman, it would be harder for you to excel in this industry? No, I mean, I think it's not specific to me. I think this industry is just harder for women. Uh, You know, the, I, I can think of one thing that's, it, uh, you know, a minor thing, but when I was first starting, uh, I would guest on a sports show on YouTube a lot and they were awesome and they would have me on all the time and I, it was great. But, you know, we, there'd be comments that like the girl said the name wrong. The girl said this, the girl said that. And that kind of thing, nobody obviously says that about, about men. And I do feel as women, and I talk about this a lot on Get My Job, and I've, I've talked about it before, you know, I have to be way more prepared than anyone else. If I'm on a panel with three other men, I have to be way more prepared. And not only that, I don't feel like I can have like a bunch of notes in front of me. I think I just need to have it all kind of up here and be way more prepared. It's kind of the nature of the beast. Um, I tell this story a lot. And uh, so for those of you who have heard it, I apologize, but I think it kind of talks about your time about I was on a date once a few years ago and this guy asked me what I did and I told him and he said well it's a good thing Jimmy Garoppolo is on the 49ers to talk about how hot he is because that must be what you do all day that was the end I was I left like that was the end of the day um but that you know so you get a little of that I think I've been pretty lucky in that first of all I'm covering the 49ers that's an organization that's really supportive of what I'm doing of, of women and diversity in sports and generally. So that's a big positive. Uh, the beat, the other reporters who cover the team are also like that. So I think that has been kind of a nice thing. Um, and, and most of the people I interact with are super supportive and, and not discouraging, but there are always those people that do say that, you know, there are always those people that say, Oh, wow, you know, a lot for a girl. Oh, I didn't think you'd know that much. You know, there's a, there's a lot of that. But I would say for the most part, especially since I started Fangirl, it's been a lot more of encouragement than discouragement, which I I know I'm very lucky in that because I know that's not necessarily the case. And had I started this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it may not have been, definitely wouldn't have been the case. What's the most rewarding thing in your opinion about starting Fangirl? Because like you said, 10, 15 years ago, it might not have been the case. So you have a really unique experience having started it when you did. Well, it's, you know, it's one of those things that this is, this is not an ego thing, but this is just one of those things that's been really exciting in the last several weeks. And I think part of the reason it's really exciting is because it's, it doesn't happen to me all the time, but I was in the airport a few weeks ago, flying home, flying back to Los Angeles from 49ers practice. And a girl, uh, young woman comes up to me and she said, um, I'm sorry to bother you. Are you Tracy? And I said, I am. And I had my mask on. And she said, I couldn't really tell with the mask. But then I checked her Instagram and I saw that you were up here. I'm a huge fan of Fangirl. And me and my mom and my best friend and my sister follow you. And I texted them. And I was like, I think Tracy's at the airport. And they asked me to get a selfie with you. 
And she said, I just love what you're doing because I've always been a sports fan, um, but I also love like lifestyle part of it. And I just love how you've married them together. And that really meant a lot to me. And then the other night I was leaving Lambeau Field after the 49ers divisional playoff game. And it's like one in the morning, game ends late, finished writing. And a, a woman comes up to me and says, same thing, are you Tracy? I've been following you for a while. I love you. And there's, it's really rewarding and not in an ego way, but because like that doesn't, I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not famous. I'm not Taylor Swift. Like people don't like come up to me all the time. And it just is exciting that like I'm doing something that's meant so much to people and that people really care about. And so I'd say those experiences are rewarding. And then I think the other one that really comes to mind is a few years ago, um, one of my followers on Twitter, a man uh, said, you know, a 49ers fangirl is my Twitter handle, you know, 49ers fangirl. I have to commend you because you took a word that had a negative connotation and you've turned it into a positive. And fangirl means like a badass woman who loves sports, who knows sports and who loves all aspects of it. And I want to commend you for that. And that really meant a lot to me because when people say fangirl now, it's not like, oh, you're such a fangirl. You know, it's a different connotation. And that is pretty cool. That's amazing. And I feel like it's it's so impactful when people come up to you and they're like, you know, I see you and I recognize your work like that girl did in the mm-hmm. airport and everything. But also like when I was growing up, when we talked about this briefly um, before we started the podcast, like the most prominent name of as a woman in sports like was Erin Andrews. That's all you thought about mm-hmm. was Erin Andrews. And she was really for a while, like the only one that you could think of because there just wasn't women in sports. And now there's women like you who have created fangirl and you've like done so much in this industry that little girls everywhere who love sports just as much as everybody else can look at the TV and say, I can do that one day. You're like a represented, like representative face for them. And because you're doing it, they believe that they can grow up and they can do that. What does that mean for you? I mean, that's, that's amazing. I mean, even you saying that like kind of gives me goosebumps. That's so kind. <laughs> and it's so, it's funny. Cause I think I still like, I'm really proud of what I built, but I still think hearing that's a little bit of a surprise. You know, it's not a surprise, but you know, it's, like I said, it's not something you hear every day. And, um, and I give really, ama- I give credit to Aaron Andrews to, to build that and Pam Oliver and, um, Michelle Tafoya. I mean, people, Lisa Salters, who've been doing this for, for such a long time and really paved the way for women like me. So that when we talked about encouragement versus discouragement, you know, it's not such a strange thing now to see women in the locker room back when we get locker room access back, obviously, because of COVID, we haven't had it. But to see women in locker room, to see women in press boxes, to see women on the sidelines and, you know, those women paved the way. So to to know that maybe I have a small part in doing that for for someone else and for young girls who love sports and who look and say, yeah, I love sports and it's okay that I also want to like have really fun recipes for my tailgate. And it's fun that the memes about sports make me laugh. And I really like Fangirl's merchandise. And I like listening to that podcast about, you know, Diana Rossini and and her journey. Like the fact that I can provide that really means a lot. And and I think, you know, we've done that in a good way. Um, We also, we do a lot of content. I just want to talk about this because I think it's so important. We do something called Community Monday every Monday and we highlight an athlete and his or her work in the community every single week we do five fun facts. And so I think we provide this content for people that they love and it's okay to love that content too. I think mm-hmm. what's changing is it's no longer like, you know, a lot of times with women, there's a, there are a lot of memes about this and jokes about this where you can say like, Oh, I'm a bears fan. Oh, really? The name, the starting offensive line for the 1987 Chicago bears. 
No one says it to a man. And by the way, no one knows the answer to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no one, I don't even know that the guys on the starting offensive line for the 1907 <laughs> Chicago Bears could remember like everyone who started every single game that year. So it's just like, you know, if we can change that and I think we're starting to, that means a lot. No, I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, I think every girl who's like the sports team ever and has told somebody that has gotten a question just like that from a Mm -hmm. man or whether they were growing up and it was a boy that they knew at school, whatever it was, you just like gave me um, uh, an unlocked memory. You know, you unlocked a memory Uh bank for me because that's the truth. Like, like name this player from 1990, blah, blah, blah. And they probably don't even know the answer. Oh, 100%. I would love I wonder how many times anyone has turned it around and been like you name the starting offensive line for the Chicago Bears in 1987 but you know what has always made me proud is whenever I've gotten anything like that I actually do know the answer oh really and it usually it usually shuts I mean I'm not gonna be able to name you the starting offensive line for any <laughs> team it really um except for the 49ers this you know these last two mm-hmm. years but a lot of times people will be like oh yeah well who was number so-and-so on that team and I'm like Roger Craig and they're like it just, it's total, <laughs> and it, it shouldn't have to be that way. Like I shouldn't have mm-hmm. to do that. You shouldn't have to do that, but it is a very satisfying mm-hmm. moment um, when you can do that. And mm-hmm. it's been, it's definitely been fun to be able to do that to people for the, sure. The men are too stunned to speak. Yeah, they are. They're <laughs> totally like, wait, what? Um, or so, you know, when I sometimes have people and I've learned this too, here's, I have another kind of good story, I guess. I don't know. You can, you can decide if it's a good story, but a couple of years ago, it was the 2019 season and the 49ers were, you know, heading into the Seattle game. It was the last game of the season and whoever won that game was going to be the NFC West champion. And I run into this guy that I know at dinner and he says to me, oh my gosh, I've been thinking about you. The 49ers are doing so well. It must be so fun to cover them. What do you think is going to happen? And I said, well, honestly, I think whoever wins that game on Sunday will be the one that goes to Super Bowl because they'll have a first round bye. They'll have home field advantage. They're probably two of the best teams, whatever. And he goes, oh, I don't know. It's going to be tough. You know, they're going to have to beat the Saints. I'm like, I do, but they actually beat the Saints two weeks ago. Um, and he goes, yeah, but they'll have to be on the road. And I go, yeah, well, he goes, if they lose. I was like, well, yeah, they beat the Saints two weeks ago on the road in New Orleans. You know, I was there. Well, they're going to have to beat the Packers. I was like, well, they beat the Packers <laughs> pretty handily earlier in the season. He was like, well, they're going to, and I said to him, I was like, you know what? Why don't you just tell me what you think? Mm-hmm. You asked what I think is going to happen, but you just want to argue with me. So I just want to hear what you think. Cause I don't think what I think matters to you. I get like, it was like for all the, it just was annoying. Mm-hmm. It was like, and, and I, I do sometimes still get that with men where they want to have a conversation with me so they can argue with me about it. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, I'm like, I don't need to prove myself to you. So if you honestly let you talk into the ether, and go for it because I don't need to prove myself to you. And you I think, don't ask me what I think. I don't care. I mean, do you think it's like an ego thing or like a toxic masculinity thing? Like they're threatened by a woman who knows as much as you do about sports. Like, what do you think it is that makes them act that way in the first place? Cause it's like, you're right. It's annoying. Well, I think it is a little ego. I think it's a little maybe threatened. I think there might be a little like, wow, it's so cool. This woman knows so much about sports, but wait, does she know more than I do about sports? You know, it's like that kind of thing. And I want to, you know, want to kind of give a, a caveat in that I don't experience this a lot. And I would say most 90% of men that I come in contact with and talk about this stuff with are super supportive. I think it's like love that they can talk to me about sports, love my perspective, 
think it's so cool that they know like a beat reporter who goes to practice and sits in the press box and, and are just kind of amazing about it. It's just those, that 10% where you can be like, oh my gosh, but you know, that also is life. Mm -hmm. And that's people like that, in my opinion, probably argue with everyone about everything. Yeah. It's just, I happen to work in sports. <laughs> um, but so, you know, it's not like, I don't get a lot of it, but you get a little bit of it, but mm -hmm. you know, that's okay. okay. That's okay. So earlier you mentioned like apparel and merch, right? Because you said the yes. pink t-shirts and something I want to ask you about, because what I've noticed, especially like when I go into like, you know, a, a store that spell or sells athletic gear or like something like that, every single time, the male mannequin is sitting there with his hoodie and his sweatpants and like, you know, looking all whatever, you know, or a mm -hmm. jersey. And the female one has a very, um, very confined, tight female anatomy that looks great. Okay. And in a little tiny midriff pink jersey and tight blue jeans. And it's like, why, like, do they feel like women purchasing this need to be sexualized. And I feel like there's a lot of sexualization of women in sports. And I know that you mentioned that you're kind of taking uh, the lead on that and pioneering change for that as far as the merchandising goes. But have you experienced any kind of sexualization in sports, like people looking at you a certain way because you're a woman? Well, yes. I mean, I think that's, you know, unfortunately, that's certainly part of it. I will say on the going back to, to the merch thing, I do think that's changed quite a bit. Like I know when I see merchandise um there's a lot of you know it's like hoodies and sweatshirts and comfies and for women like i think that has really changed a lot over the last several years so i do want to kind of give credit to that because mm -hmm. I, I think in the beginning yes it was pretty much like all pink sparkly jerseys and again i love pink but not everybody does um so i do think that we've made a, a lot of strides in that area you know i think yes you have people that that sexualize i think that is part of it's part of the sports and entertainment industry as a whole. Uh, it's just, and it's unfortunate, but you know, it is what it is. I think I've been lucky. I think a lot of the comments I get are appropriate and not, you know, I, I haven't. And if I do receive comments that are, I find to be highly inappropriate, then those people get blocked. Um, Someone did, you know what? Someone commented on an Instagram post of mine a few weeks ago that I was wearing like a, you know, a pencil skirt and a sweater, like a little cardigan. And someone commented on the Instagram and said, uh, a lot of confidence in those buttons on that sweater, <gasps> which is highly inappropriate. I deleted the comment and they wrote it again. So then I blocked them because I don't usually blocking is like, I, I try to save it. For when you really need it, you know, mm -hmm. because I think, um, you know, I, I do a, a muting. I'm a big fan of before, <laughs> before I block, but, um, something like that I felt was really inappropriate and offensive and it's just not, no one's going to say that to the man standing on a football field. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to make this like a male bashing thing because it, it really isn't. And mm -hmm. I've been so lucky in, in the people that I've worked with and come across and they've been wonderful, but you know, comments like that are really not cool. And they're, they're kind of violating mm -hmm. in a way. So, you know, it's one thing if someone says, oh, you look, you look so nice. Or I love that outfit or great smile, you know, fine. But that kind of comment, you know, but that unfortunately it is what it is. It shouldn't be that way. And I think, I hope as time goes on and there are more women in the industry and more of us speaking out about it and talking about these things, 
it will continue to find change, but you know, unfortunately I think that does come with the territory. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just a matter of bringing attention to it in the best way that we can and making people understand that it's not okay. And it's Mm -hmm. not okay to talk to people like that. And it doesn't mean you can't say nice things, but that's an inappropriate comment, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, I remember, I remember being in college and I took a sports journalism class. I told you a little bit before that, or about that before the call. And, um, I remember like in this class, I did a report, right. And it was about women in sports and all this stuff. And I, I can't really remember everything that went into it, but I had put pictures up and it was about the sexualization of women in media in general, mm-hmm. not just sports, but in media. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had put pictures up of this woman and my little presentation and everything. And after I gave my whole presentation and like, you know, I felt confident. I felt good about everything I said. My teacher who uh, was older, uh, mm-hmm. said in front of the class, well, let's go back to that one picture. Do you really think that she should be taken seriously if she's dressed like that? <gasps> and I had never really, I've, I'd heard of people saying things like that, but I had never mm. actually like experienced it or seen it firsthand. And I'm sitting there going, well, she's just wearing a dress. Like, yeah, it's right. fitted, but she's wearing a dress and nobody would look at a man if he decided not to wear a tie that day or whatever mm-hmm. it is and discredit his like, a professionalism because of what he was wearing. And it wasn't even inappropriate. But I remember sitting there thinking, going, is this really the mentality of some people? I mean, I think unfortunately it is. But I'll also say to that point, and I know I don't know if this is a little bit going off topic, but I just feel like it's important to bring up. One thing I will say about this industry is you got to know your stuff, women or men, mm-hmm. and especially women. But but there are a lot of attractive women who know a lot about sports and want to be in the industry. But if you, if, so this is one thing I will say that I think, I think, I think it's a positive is that if you're an attractive women, woman, and you think that's, what's going to get you the job, it's not like you've got to be prepared. You have to know your stuff because that's, what's going to keep the job. That's mm-hmm. when it's going to have you keep going forward. So I want to, I say that because I think it's important just to highlight that those that's what's valued more, I think. Mm-hmm. And we're getting even, you know, more and more into that, that knowledge and preparation and talent are valued more than looks. And mm-hmm. I think that's just an, I think that's an important distinction to make because it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if you get up there and, and you get an opportunity, not you, the universal you gets up there and gets an opportun- opportunity and doesn't know what you're talking about, you're not going to last very long. And so it just makes me happy that we're valuing the things that matter mm-hmm. and the stuff we have control over because we can't control our looks. Exactly. You know, but I can control how much I prepare. I can control how much I know. I can control the work that I do. And at the end of the day, your work speaks for itself. So when people, when there are people bringing it, bring it back to what you said, when there are people who think like that, and there are people that say those things, the old, the best way to combat it is to do a great job mm-hmm. and to be prepared and know know what you're talking about and have your work speak for itself. Because at the end of the day, that's the best way to combat it. Because someone like that, you could talk to your blue in the face and they're not going to, it'll go right over their head because they don't, they don't want to believe that. They mm-hmm. want to be stuck in that thought process. But when your work can speak for itself, that's the most important thing and the most rewarding thing. 
Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've experienced that shift or like not experienced it necessarily, but seen it firsthand in your years working in the sports industry, the changes that you were just talking about? Do you feel like you've really had the chance to like witness it as a woman in sports? Yes, I definitely do. I think we have a long way to go, but I have really seen witness it. And I'm witnessing it honestly, just through representation. When I walk into a press box and you see more and more women sitting in the press box, more and more women in front office roles, more and more women on television, more and more women hosting shows. Like I think we're seeing it through representation and it's been incredible to see. And I think, you know, social media has a lot of positives and a lot of negatives. Mm -hmm. And when we can sometimes take those negatives and turn them into a positive. And I think people have very different, differing opinions on, do you put someone on blast? If someone tweets something awful at me, do I retweet it and give them the attention they want? Or do I just ignore it, you know, let it go? And I, and I kind of vary depending on the situation. But, you know, one of the positives is that we as women can sometimes take something and, and I think Mina Kimes retweeted something, um, ESPN's Mina Kimes from a, a few weeks ago, essentially, um, a male yelling at her on Twitter in a really not cool and very inappropriate way. And she retweeted and she said, like, I know I should give him attention, but I just want you guys to understand what we as women deal with on a daily basis, whether it be on here, whether it be in life. And if we can bring attention to that, I think that is a positive thing. When you can say to people like, this is what we're dealing with, just so you understand, this is it, because it does bring attention. And I think as women, we need to be allies, but men need to be our allies too. You know, Mm -hmm. men in these positions need to say like, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. I, as a man will not stand for this. Mm -hmm. I will not allow my colleagues and women in this industry to be talked to that way. So I think all of that helps create this change, but I've certainly seen massive improvements and positive changes over the last several years. I'm so happy to hear that because like even the statements that like you just made, like, oh, should I reply or should I just leave it or whatnot? I mean, unfortunately, there is a standard for women in every industry. And I mean, even no industry, just as being a woman, that if you do reply, if you do, you know, kind of fall into the argument or whatever, you're combative, you're petty, like petty, you know, you're the B word, whatever it is. But if you're a man and you do it, you're just standing up for yourself. And so I think, you know, it's important to to know that regardless like Mina did, you know, mm-hmm. you're just standing up for yourself. 100%. And I will say to that too, I think at least, you know, Twitter is so interesting because it's just sometimes in, in sports, it's such a big part of what we do mm-hmm. that sometimes it's easy to forget that like, it's not like an actual, it, it, not the whole world is not on Twitter. It's like a small segment of the population. And sometimes it's, it, it's hard to remember that because it is so ingrained in what we do. I will say, yes, you're right. For women, we definitely can get labeled those things. Mm -hmm. But I will say, I do see my male colleagues get some stuff too. And they're like, am I replying to this or am I just leaving this alone? Because I think there is something, sports are amazing and they make people super passionate and they love their team and they get them really excited and really upset. But by the same token, it makes people super passionate and they love their team and they get really excited and really upset. And there's pluses and minuses to that. So I see my male colleagues, I will say, struggle with it as well. Women, it's different. It's a different struggle. You know, mm-hmm. males can get into the fights on Twitter and it's just like, that's what it is with women. It's like, oh, why you've got to be so sensitive? I didn't mean anything by it. You're, you know, like, I didn't mean, you know, that's, but it, there, but a lot of internet trolls, when you call them out, either they stop or they apologize because mm-hmm. 
they don't, they're not really looking for anyone to come back at them. So mm-hmm. that's interesting too. But I, I think the sports Twitter world, females get it worse. There, mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it. But men do get it too a little bit. <laughs> so just in general, what advice would you give to somebody who is experienced like or experiencing the internet trolls right now? How would you tell them to handle it? So I think, you know, that's a tough one. And it's very personal because some people, some people feel better responding and some people don't. You know, I have a big thing that people have said to me for years, and this comes up on Get My Job a lot. And like the number one comment from people is don't read the comments. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and some, even the nice thing with Twitter now is you can also, and I think with, you know, with Instagram, you can turn off comments, mm-hmm. which if the comments, if you're a person where they bother you, which is understandable because we're human and we have feelings and someone behind a computer is more willing to say awful things to you than they would to your face, turn off the comments, you know, or you can make your Twitter, you can make it, you know, the only people that can reply are people you follow, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Those are things you can do that they've done a good job. I feel like in social media of creating situations in which we can combat these issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say those, those are some big ones. Do things like that to protect yourself. And also remember kind of what I just said that someone on the internet who says something mean to you does not know you. Mm-hmm. And chances are this does not make it okay. But I would say there's a high likelihood that that person is a very unhappy human being because really the kind of person who's on Twitter yelling at someone that they don't know and calling them names and saying horrible things to them is a really unhappy person with a very sad life. And so sometimes I try to look at it that way. If I do find myself reading the comments or if someone says something that I find upsetting, I'm like, you know what? This, is, this isn't about me because it's really not. Like it feels personal, but it's not. And they don't know me. And so, I, you know, it's not like my friend or colleague or even someone I've met a couple of times through a work setting said something like your work's trash. You're awful at what you do. Like, you don't know me. And that's about you. Mm-hmm. And great. If you think my work is trash, go read it. Cool. No problem. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, that's a big one. But do the things that you need to do to protect yourself. Um, and then if there's things that are bad, like it's bullying or things that seem scary, report it. And don't be afraid to report it. I think that's another thing as women that we sometimes tend to do. We don't want to seem like kind of like what you were saying earlier, that we're overreacting. But it, Use your, your gut and your instinct. And if, if someone on social media is truly bullying you and, and saying things that are really hurtful, report it. Because mm-hmm. chances are they're not just doing it to you. And who knows how scary or not scary these people are. So exactly. those are just ways, find the ways you can protect yourself. That's great advice. How long did it take you to develop that mindset of it's not about me? Uh, probably work in progress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a book that I read um, called The Four Agreements. And it's these four agreements on how you live your life. I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's really short. Could read it in a day, maybe like less. It's, but it's four agreements on how to live your life. And the, the agreement that I found the most, that's really stuck with me the most, that I come back to all the time, is not to take anything personally. Because even things that feel very personal are not personal. All of it, and I think that's true of all of us. You know, if somebody is really, if there's something about something that's really irritating me, it probably isn't personal to them. It's just something about them really irritates me. And that feels personal, but it's not personal. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I do believe that. And so that 
is one of the agreements that just has really stuck with me and I've worked on for years and years and years. And I think it is a work in progress, but you kind of get to that point of you can't control other people. You can't control their reactions. You can control yourself Mm -hmm. and that it's not personal. And I've taken that into a lot of areas of my life, not just work, but I know that it's not because the reality is it can't be about me. Mm-hmm. Somebody that I don't know, who I've never met, who I'll never meet ever on the internet tells me I'm trash. It's just not, a, it's, it can't be about me. How mm-hmm. could it be? They don't know me. So yeah. it can't be about me. Um, and even if they did know me and say, say that to me, it can't be about me because what kind of a person says that to someone else? It's about them. Mm-hmm. So it's a work in progress, but honestly, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. It just, it really drives that point home. And that's on growth and that's on boundaries. Yes, 100%. No, that was really, really great advice. And I feel like a lot of people can probably like, you know, learn a lot from that because you're right. It's not about you. And I feel like it's so hard not to take those things personal, even if you're not a public figure or creating like a brand for yourself. Like when people say hurtful things to you and they really don't know you, it's important to remember they don't know anything about you. So it can't possibly be about you. It's about them at that point, about their own insecurities or fears or whatever that may be. Um, so I'm glad that, that you brought that up because I think that's really important. I think our listeners can learn a lot from that, but Tracy, I know that we are coming up on time and I want to make sure that people know where to find you and where they can learn about, um, fangirl sports network if they don't already. So where can we find you and where can we learn more about your brand? So our website, fgsn.com, um, has all of our content, living on it, breathing on it, doing all its good stuff. Uh, we have merchandise there. We have uh, shop.fgsn.com and we have, if I do say myself, so myself, some really cute merchandise that we did for this football season that I'm really excited about. So you can find it there. And then if you head to our Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network, that can also direct you everywhere. Um, and then me personally, I'm on Twitter at 49ers Fangirl. I'm on Instagram at Tracy Sandler, but I realize that I've thrown so many different handles and letters and numbers at you guys. So if you just go to at Fangirl Sports Network on Instagram, it will take you everywhere you need to go to find all of the things. Perfect. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us here today. Seriously, you have been a pioneer for so many young women out there paving the way for, you know, women who want to make a name for themselves in the sports industry. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on this podcast. I had a great time talking to you and hopefully we'll see you here on Success Soon. I would absolutely love it. This was a blast. Thank you so much. This has been Success Stories with Madison Piper. If you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe, drop a review and tell your friends. If you'd like to hear more shows like this one, go to success.com slash podcasts.